podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show, Edge Rush. I am Nat Coombs. He is producer Ollie, a.k.a. Ollie Thornton, a.k.a. the Unders King of Plumpton, a.k.a. Propo and maybe, maybe, oh, soon to be award winning Ollie Thornton, right? I mean, the game has well and truly gone if I am considered as an award winning producer. But at the same time, yeah, huge news now. It has to be said. I even had someone I was working at TalkSport today, mm-hmm. earlier today, and I even had someone come up and congratulate me for the nomination for the Nat Coombs show for the best, uh, what is it? The best love that, love that. American best- sports show. Best NFL podcast. Best NFL podcast. Yeah. Brilliant. We are stuff. delighted. We're thrilled to be nominated for that. So yeah, the, the uh, Sports Podcast Awards, we are up for nomination in the Best NFL Podcast, up against the mighty Rich Eisen, amongst others. <laughs> Did you ever think your name would be compared to the mighty Rich Eisen that? Regularly compared to the great Rich Eisen. Uh, well, hey, look, we were hanging on the ESPN set. I know he's no longer of ESPN, of course, ESPN set Miami not so long ago, hanging out with Mike Greenberg propo. So I don't think, you know, it's too far away from, we've got no chance of beating him. <laughs> Let's be honest. You never know. We need the, uh, we need the Nat Coombs fandom to just vote like crazy. Just try yes, and that's sneak right. us over the line. The faithful can vote. There is a voting, uh, listener voting mechanics so we're gonna look we'll we'll drop information about it we'll probably bore the hell out of you with ridiculous mm-hmm. plugs over the next over the coming weeks talk of us recording some kind of trailer that will, that will annoy the hell out of you because we'll drop that as a pre-roll and all of that good stuff and push it out on our social channels at the nc show uh yeah the, the sports podcast was thrilled about that and we will uh, find out how we can rig the vote <laughs> rig <laughs> the vote for us that's what we're gonna aim to do uh anyway down to business weird old week that it is Probo, wow. weird old week that it is. Week 18, for the first time ever, of course, in the NFL. Most importantly of all, forget all these award nomination shenanigans, Propo. Most importantly of all, where are we? Where are we, my friend, with the Drew Lock of the Week competition? The Drew Lock of the Week competition, amazingly, is tied going into week 18. I mean, it's yeah. probably, what, the second most important thing going into week 18 after the LA, LA after Chargers. Chargers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It probably is the second most important thing, what is quite an interesting week going into it. But yeah, no, obviously the Tennessee Titans were my bet of the week and they covered... With these slight controversy with yours. I mean, I don't know. What, no I've controversy. Clearly, massively. No, 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 no. I'm going to come out and say this. I've clearly massively underestimated your contacts Me. within the league. Because in, <laughs> in what, two out of the last three weeks, mm. your Drew Locke of the week has come out. We've recorded the podcast. I've released the podcast. Mm. And then almost like magic, five minutes later, whoever's on the opposing team, their quarterback seems to get COVID. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure if you're giving them COVID, Nat. I'm not sure if you're telling them not to take the vaccine so they definitely don't have to play. I'm not Heavily sure suggesting they don't. I mean, you should <laughs> see what that stuff could do to you in five years, Mr. Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> I've been lucky. That is true. That is true. We had listeners, Ollie and I, look, Ollie and I get on pretty well when all's said and done. And in this business, sometimes what you see on screen on air isn't necessarily what's reflected off off screen or off air, but we get on pretty well. Rarely do we, you know, we've worked together a number of years now, and I know you've, uh, with your producing hat on, I've got to deal with all kinds of egos and mm-hmm. generally don't have any of that sort of bother. We, no, we, roll, we roll pretty easily, but this yeah. was one of the, the, the 
closest we've come to, to an altercation because you don't think it's a fair fight that I I didn't retract my pick and pick a different Drew Lock of the week the when the, when the line changed. And I was suggesting, well, this is all fair and love more in the 2021 NFL. And so I actually, I actually made it as a bet, right? And the bookmaker who shall remain nameless paid out. They didn't turn around and say, well, Matt, sorry, you made that bet when the line was before the so-and-so was... It, it, a deal's a deal, right? No, my 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 only uh, issue with this mm. is that on the flip side, mm. I know what's going to happen is down the line, I'm going to make a pick and then it will come out five minutes later. You'll smirk probably because you'll have some contact telling you that that quarterback's yeah. actually out for the game. And then I'm going to make a pick. Hub Arkish will tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That quarterback, is going to some, somehow be injured and not be playing that week and I'm going to be on the reverse end of this. And I'm mm. terrified that that's going to go against my record, which I don't think is necessarily fair. I think the side you're on is more fair. And also mm. I think mm. and you've got to take context into account and the pick was the right side of it anyway, even right. at the extended number, it's still extended covered. Number. Green Bay were awesome in that game and they looked like, he, no matter who was at quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, I expect Green Bay would have covered that number. So context has to be applied. But I think that's I, the fair thing, isn't it? That if, yeah. if the number then changes, then you go with the, you go with that change number. Or rather, if it hits with that change number, then there can be no argument. Yeah, that's what I definitely agree with that. But I right. think if it goes the reverse way and then it doesn't hit, then I think we might have, there might be some questions down the line. There might be some negotiations to be had. Listen, so we're taking it the Drew Lock of the Week into the playoffs to be clear. So it's not yeah, like this are. is a this is a, a play in game <laughs> win or bust game no. because I'm I am I am rolling the dice on my Drew Lock. So am I, so am I. I'm going bold, I'm going slightly bold this week. It's a weird, it's a weird one. But it speaking weird. of weird ones, mm. I actually was just reading before we went on air. Yeah. Mike Carlson's best bets from the <laughs> Bet Yeah. Do you know who he's taken? Who is who's what has his best bet? As his best bet. Go on. The New is York he, Jets plus the Jets. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. taking the Jets, yeah, against yeah, the that, Buffalo Bills. That that figures. It's interesting. I can see. Uh, God, I've worked with Carlson too long, but I can see his logic totally there. I mean, look, here's the thing we're dealing with this week, gang. It is yes, there are seeds to play for in, in most cases, and as a result, we're going to see starters for a while. Those teams are going to try and get in quick. The Tennessee Houston game, which is one of the ones we're going to look at. Someone made this exact point with them that they are going to try and lock in that number one seed uh, as early as they can and then have the luxury of taking starters off gradually and steadily. And most teams are going to be looking at that. They're going to roll the dice for a while with the big guns and then gradually uh, ease them out. So therefore, it's very difficult when you're talking about not just outright winners, but point spreads and that it just opens up backdoor cover central. So there is that. And one of those weeks where with the a few exceptions and the Raiders Chargers game is obviously the most most significant, but then Pittsburgh have got stuff to play for potentially, Baltimore, and then of course they're playing each other. They could they could both sneak in if things go their way. Uh there is a lot to uh, there is a, a lot to be said for the final regular weeks of the season when there is a significant amount at stake. And this isn't one of those weeks which makes it particularly difficult. So we're going to pick, as usual, three games, plus our Drew Locks of the week, plus our Acker of the week, Propos Prop Bets of the week. How did they go last week, Propo? Uh, oh, so funny, actually. So last week, um, mm. just so I can have my little moment of brag, I actually got all of my picks right. So across all points, Drew Locks of the Drew Lock of the Week, yeah. two out of the three prop bets, all of the yeah. covers during the games we covered. Hang on, two the, out of the three prop bets. So yeah, do you know which picks. was the one? No, no, all the picks except four, which I think is a um 
it's quite poignant considering what we've seen since then. The only one that didn't come in mm. was uh, Antonio Brown score a touchdown. <laughs> Amazing. So Antonio Brown destroyed your perfect week. <laughs> destroyed my perfect week. I mean, I think he destroyed a lot more than that for several people, especially in that Bucks organisation. But at the same time, I was uh, feeling mixed emotions watching him prance off that field at halftime whilst we were uh, doing radio. Bet I bet my God, how surreal is that? We got into that in depth with Ollie Connolly, of course. Ollie, great guest as ever, and he mm. is our preview show guest this week. I and Mike on the review show. Uh, duty obviously as well so we get into Antonio with both of those guys and yeah I'm, I'm just thinking going forwards maybe that's what we call a bad beat spoiler <laughs> the Antonio Brown award goes to uh and then you get a little balloon hot air balloon a uh, little toy balloon all right well good week well done on that all that is uh, despite Antonio being Antonio that is solid stuff so let's try and replicate that for our listeners particularly yeah with the tough week matches. though it is a tough old week. Hey, but we are up for the challenge, right? Let's start with Tennessee Houston mm-hmm. and the return of Derek Henry, right? Henry activated anyway. Is he going to play in this game? Off? I doubt from everything that I'm reading that he's actually going to play in this game. I think it's similar to the Cam Akers activation a couple of weeks ago for the LA Rams where they bring him back. Then I think they eased him back into it. A couple of practices. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they'll risk him. This week, even though they have to fight for the number one seed, I think that there's too much at stake for the playoffs and how much they need him going yeah. forward. But they if they do, anyway. Dante, Dante Foreman had 132 yards last week. Do you know what's amazing? is He's had over 100 yards in three straight games. And if you look at their statistics since Derek Henry went out, mm. they're pretty much exactly the same in terms of rushing yards, whether mm. it's been Hillard, whether it's been Foreman. They've actually, this run game hasn't necessarily been hindered too much by yeah. the absence of Derrick Henry. But what they have lost and why, like I'm not understating the significance of Derrick Henry in any way, is the big time plays. That's it's exactly right. huge plays that he breaks off frequently in all the big games, it seems as well. How many times have we seen Henry? Oh, it's strange that, you know, 27 carries, 3.2, 3.4 a carry, and it's into the fourth quarter, and then boom, <laughs> 54 yards. Say goodnight, Gracie. Dante Foreman, the new James Connor, of course. Uh, that's basically that. <laughs> He's yeah. angling it. Who needs Lev Bell? Uh, I think in, in Derek Henry's case, the Titans absolutely do. And we love that fact about the Titans, don't we all? We love the fact that you've got all these pieces coming back, that explosive play coming back, the Titans, despite everything, uh, are going to, surely they're going to take care of Houston comfortably, right? Uh, it's a double digit spread. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a 10 point spread at this time. It's interesting. It's kind of flirted between mm. 10 and 10 and a half. Interestingly, there seems to be quite a lot of money coming in on Houston. I think that's because of the fight they've shown in recent weeks. I think the fact that they're not just going to roll over and accept the season. There's a lot of players out there playing for contracts. I think David Cully's demonstrated that he deserves another season and he will get it. I think there's a lot of pride in this Houston team and one which was certainly written off by pretty much every single person going into the season. I mean, they've recorded some great wins as well. They've destroyed the Chargers in uh, my dismay. And also they beat the Titans in in the reverse fixture in this earlier yeah. in the season. Yeah, they did. They did. And we got a lot of love for David Cully. I hope Cully gets gets you know extended and, and, and has an opportunity because he is the prototype of a an interim a caretaker boss, right? But I think he has uh, done a great job there, given the, the challenges, obviously, with the whole what's the situation and, and the limitations he has collectively on the roster. Davis Mills is he is that the way forward for this Texans organization? Do you think you reckon they go with Cully and Mills and spend their money and uh, uh, strengthen elsewhere and look at another bridge season. 
I mean, Davis Mills has got better and better each week, it seems. I mean, in his last four appearances, he's thrown six touchdowns and only two interceptions. Nonetheless, I think there's still a lot to be said as to whether he is the player going forward. But I think it would be surprising if he didn't necessarily start under centre at the beginning of next season. Because yeah. I think if, you, if you're going to argue that Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson all deserve another look next season, I mean, Davis Mills has to because he's arguably looked better than those two this season so if far. If Daniel Jones deserves a fifth season in the NFL, <laughs> then Davis Mills deserves another couple of games. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And also look at look at who he's had around him. I mean, Brandon Cooks, though, also deserves a lot of credit. What an incredible season he has had. And he makes Davis Mills look better. He is that deep threat that has allowed Davis Mills to show off his arm. And I think that if you put a couple of pieces around him, they could start looking a little bit better than what we've seen so far. I mean, at the same time that we're kind of we're giving them praise, but they are still 30th in passing offense and 32nd in rushing offense this season, which, if anything, just says how impressive it is that they've managed to win mm. four games. But this Texans team has demonstrated a lot of fight. I mean, they're four and one against the spread in their last five home games versus a team with a winning record. So especially when they have someone come into their backyard and the team that they a scalp that they can potentially go on after that's when we tend to see the best of the Houston Texans and that's why I think it's really interesting looking Mm. at the AFC South and both of these games this week because you've got a 10-point spread in Tennessee going to Houston when we've seen Mm. close games between these two teams no matter what the standard between them and also the Texans going and winning in Tennessee despite the fact they had AJ Brown for that game but obviously not Derek Henry and then you see the Jacksonville Jaguars at home to the Colts. That's a 15-point spread, despite the fact that the Indianapolis Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. They are they're, they're the definition cut. of a bogey team for this Colts. Yeah, player. they are. They're, they're more than Miami to New England, I think. They, yeah. um, I think they cover that, though. I really do. I think I think the Colts just... I think Jacksonville just collapse in the final, final week of the season. But then both of these games, I mean, look, Tennessee has... The number one seed to play for. They've got to lock that in, of course. So it's it's in their hands. So the win means they, they're guaranteed at whatever, irrespective of what the Chiefs have done the night before. But does that make it interesting? If Denver, I mean, it's a big if, right? But if Denver were to beat Kansas City, how differently will Tennessee approach this game, do you think, in terms of how, how much they play their starters? Oh, I think they would pr- approach it completely differently. Surely you would have to. If they've got the, the more, number one seed locked up, I don't think you go into this game. I think the spread would change massively. I think it would drop to about five or six, maybe even lower than that, because Tennessee would look at it as just another opportunity to rest some players. I mean, would you? how would you approach it? Would you look, is this another opportunity to practice, considering they've already got a week break ahead? Exactly, because of exactly that. I mean, there are two schools of thought here, and a lot of it is down to, um, well, all of it is down to the head coach's perspective on it and preference on it. But... Yeah, you're right. But if you, it's different, I think, from going into straight into playing next week yeah. in wildcard weekend, right? You've got that extra week and that simpatico and that rhythm and cohesion can uh, can be a problem that if you're out for too long, obviously you're going to rest your starters for some of the game and take them out for some of the game. And, Henry certainly wouldn't play. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, Tannehill, they'd yank probably in. Uh, in the early stages of the of the second half, you'd, you'd think. Uh, but does it mean they wheel all their starters off? No, definitely not, right? So I don't know. I don't know. It, I don't it, think it's going to happen. I expect Kansas City to get the job yeah. done against Denver for sure. But the interesting thing going into this week now, which I think <clears throat> needs to be taken into consideration is just from a pure instinctive mindset, 
Mm. What do you think the public are going to be focusing on in terms of betting going into this week? Who do you think they'll be leaning towards backing? Good question. I think that certainly teams with something at stake, and I'm going to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is the answer. It's always going to be the teams with something at stake, the teams that have something to play for, which means, sadly, as much as it's horrible to say and horrible to go into Sunday, from a, from a Sharps perspective, where's all the value? So you're talking about all of those games where the public are going to be thinking, okay, well, I'm, not, I'm obviously going to back the team that has something to play for, which means the number will be inflated towards oh, the, the team. Ah, exactly. I would say the value. And it means the, the values yeah. on the other teams. And if you yeah. look historically, the trend suggests to always bet. If you're betting on the spread, bet against the team that has something to play for because that is where their value is on the other team at all times. Because at the end of the day, this is a professional sports league. Do you know what I mean? Like these are not players who are just going to go into a game and just be like, do you know what? I've got nothing to play for. I'm on the beach. I'm sacking this one it, off. Exactly. That's Particularly the NFL yeah. as well, right? Um, it, it, for sure. I think that's such a patronizing narrative we hear all the time that, yeah, that it's going to go in half cock because, yeah, it, <laughs> nonsense. You talk, God, I've had this, I've had this chat with, with Jay Bell before, I remember just this how how annoyed that makes him when when he hears that particular uh, particular special get trotted out. All right, so bearing that in mind, then uh, I suppose that yeah, well, Denver turning over Kansas City because certain's out as well, isn't he? I mean, that's hugely unlikely. I suppose there is. Is it worth a little roll of the dice and taking Houston at ten and just see before Saturday night and see 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 what happens? See if the line. Yeah, I mean, I think. I honestly think that I'm probably going to end up taking Houston in this game. I have no, mm. absolutely no faith in them winning it. I think the Tennessee Titans will definitely get the job done. But I just think this number is too high considering this is in Houston. And I think that this team has demonstrated all year that they aren't going to roll over and they're not one of these teams that you can just blow out and make a fool out of. And I think when you've got the amount of players in there who will be looking for contracts, who if David Carley isn't the guy for next year, we're trying to put tape on for the next coach or even just putting on tape for their next contract. I think that they're going to go out here. Mm. And obviously what, what better way to finish the season than stopping your divisional rival from getting the number one seed. Like, I don't think there is any more motivation to, than that for the Houston Texans team. That all being said, I don't think they're going to win the game because I don't think they've got enough against this Titans team that's demonstrated week in, week out how dominant they are, especially on defense. Mm. So I, but 10 points, especially if it goes, I think on Sunday, you'll see this go above 10. Yeah. And then I'll take Houston. I hear, yeah. Just got me thinking as well, actually, just that other element, which again, depends on the game, but say it is, it's not always a given that, Starters get rested, backups come in, and therefore there is a dramatic diminishing in productivity because, and you absolutely got my jog my mind on this one, Propo, because a lot of those backups that are coming in, this stage of proceedings, they're playing for a gig mm-hmm. next season. You know, they got they got a lot riding on a big performance. It's their chance, it's their shot. And if it's a team that is resting starters, it's almost certainly because they're heading to the playoffs. They're thinking, well, you know, I want to be a factor in some way in this playoff hunt, but certainly looking at the dollars and cents, they are thinking, I've I got to get myself a contract next season. I've got to make sure I'm sticking around here and not cut. So I uh, I think that's overestimated at times. I think how much of a drop-off is going to be when when the backups come in. All right, so you're liking, uh, liking Houston on that as a little bit of a tickle. Next up, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Pittsburgh, Baltimore, prop O. Now, this is how it works out. If Baltimore win... And the Colts, the Chargers, and the Finns lose. 
then they make the playoffs. That's what Baltimore has to do to make the playoffs. Easier for Pittsburgh. They got to win and hope the Colts lose. And then, then Pittsburgh are in. Lamar, we're recording this Friday afternoon, still banged up with his ankle, still not practicing. We don't really know where Lamar's at. The secondary is banged up. Pittsburgh are what? Five point dogs? Doesn't it smell like a rat? I, okay. I would, before I say anything more, I'm going to defer to the sharp wisdom of Propo. What are the sharp saying on this one? Al? Oh, I mean, it is bizarre, this line, don't you think? I mean, ultimately, since it went out to, because I think this line opened at around three and a half, four and a half, and then it got bet massively on the Baltimore side of things and bet out to five and a half. All of the sharps going in on the Ravens. And I understand that to an extent purely from the fact that it felt like Pittsburgh Steelers season finished in week 17 more than yeah. any other team. Yeah. Did it yeah. not? <laughs> well, yeah, but then yeah. is that underestimating? Underestimate it could be Big Ben's last game. I mean... But it doesn't feel like that. It feels like Big Ben's hand is last game. It feels like that narrative is completely diminished because what... I mean, yeah. I was listening to someone who was at the game at Heinz Field and they said they've never felt an atmosphere like it at Heinz mm. Field. It was absolutely incredible and it was as vibrant as they've ever seen it mm. and Big Ben got the farewell that he deserves and they obviously, obviously seem to have forgotten that they've got a massive divisional game yeah. in Baltimore this weekend and so I think that all the Sharps looking at this is a massive emotional letdown spot mm. for Pittsburgh obviously no Deontay Johnson he's just gone on the COVID list which is a massive mm. loss for them as he's Big Ben's go-to guy but from a matchup perspective you can look at both sides of this game and you can just say okay well this is where Baltimore are going to win this is where so Pittsburgh, one of the worst rushing teams, despite how brilliant Najee Harris is. One of the worst rushing teams in the NFL. They rank 28th. Baltimore have the number one ranked def run defense in the league. What they've lost in the passing game in having one of the worst passing defenses, they seem to have gone all in on the run and being able to stop that. So mm. if their weakness in the pass and Big Ben isn't going to be able to throw to his favorite target, Deontay Johnson, yeah. that means he might struggle. On the same side of it, you have TJ Watt, who is a game, is a sack away from Yeah, one and a half, the, right? One yeah. and a half to beat no, I think it's I think it's one. To it's one away from tying it. Yeah, and, and one, one and a half, half to beat, which is, is Strahan's record from 20 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, so, and also the Ravens can see more sacks than anyone else in the league this season. So you look on that side of things and you're and thinking... The pit, and the Pittsburgh D uh, in the last couple of games, having dipped incredible. a bit, six turnovers, 13 sacks, and that's against the Titans and the Browns. So, you know, no no mugs either of them offensively. And yeah, in, in coming in a real form, I think the Deontay Johnson thing could be crucial though. I really do because how rigid and static and all of these different adjectives this passing offense has been. And I know there's Claypool in the mix the Muth you love as well. But without Johnson, I just think for the reasons you've said, they're going to shut down the ground game fairly comfortably, you would think. Could be the game changer. I agree. And also the one thing that Pittsburgh can't do from a defensive side of things, stop the run. Hmm. And Baltimore, despite losing every single running back seemingly that started the season for them, still rank fifth in the NFL. And that doesn't matter if Lamar's not playing. Tyler Huntley has been just as impressive on the yeah. ground with his legs. So, I mean, in, like... You're looking at this. Pittsburgh obviously have the better chance of making the playoffs than Baltimore do. Like there's a better chance for them to do it. They're going into it. They're off the back of a big divisional win on Monday night. It is Big Ben's last game, as you said. And with all of those things considered, considering what we've seen for the Ravens, I mean, they have really struggled in mm. recent weeks. That being said, the market still favours Baltimore by five and a half points. Mm. 
I mean, they clearly know something that I potentially don't, or they're clearly setting a little bit of a trap here for the public because the public will be coming in all on Pittsburgh because they yeah. just watch them win in prime time and yeah. watch the Baltimore Ravens lose to the Rams in quite tragic circumstances. As and the- Pittsburgh has more to play for. Exactly. Yeah. But, but at, the same time, at the same time, you look at this, this is a divisional game between two teams notoriously who have always played close games. It's mm. very rare that a game between the Ravens and the Steelers, no matter who's the underdog or who's yeah. the would ever go outside the realm of someone winning by five points. So that's where I'm scared to take Ravens with the points here. I think the Ravens are going to win this game Mm. just because I think this is an emotional letdown spot for the Steelers. But five points Mm. is a lot considering that I'm not sure how much the Ravens are going to be able to get going in the air, especially. They might be able Mm. to run all over the Steelers. But I mean, do you know what's worrying as well, Nat, for me? And this is sad. And I know that part of this goes into the struggles they've had at quarterback over the past sort of seven weeks. Marquise Brown hasn't gone above 60 yards in his last eight games, mm. which is, which is, I think, think it, about how he started the season as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He was absolutely electric at the beginning of the season, as was Lamar Jackson. And I think that concerns me. They seem to be only able to really throw the ball to Mark Andrews. He's the only one in this mm. passing attack who seems to be able to be explosive and get those big plays and get those big numbers. So that is my fit. I mean, it's a, I, I honestly thought when I saw this line, I, I was, completely confused I immediately wanted to just tease Pittsburgh, tease Pittsburgh to the hill because I was like I don't think there's any way this game has a seven point winning margin you know Hollywood uh, Hollywood Brown missed, missed training yesterday as well didn't he he's, he's, his ankle injury he's suddenly uh, a question for Sunday I think from, from and the line looks banged up as well from what I can work out on it's, uh, it's been banged up all year. I mean, it's been out. one of the worst offensive lines literally all year, especially in terms of the past. But I mean, even even more so, right? Like, yeah, yeah I mean, even even more. Uh, they seem to be short stacked. I mean, are they, are Baltimore, the have they been unluckiest with, with injury, do you think, this season? Yeah, I think you'd have to say they have been. I think the only other team that you could argue has been in certain circumstances were the Saints, just because of losing James Winston and how much that has derailed their season to a certain extent and how much they needed him. But Brown, nowhere near to Browns a bit as well. Yeah. Browns, I'd say. Yeah, Browns, no, no one's I think it's got to be the Ravens. It's got to be the Ravens. And I still think that John Harbaugh deserves more credit than what he's got considering the output he's managed to get from that team, considering mm. the injuries that he has had. And it's John Harbaugh against Mike, Tom- Mike Tomlin. Like, I think these are two, mm. two incredible coaches that will go into this game with every single trick in their playbook ready mm. because they know what is at stake. And I just, I think my only issue is, is that I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, it feels like their last game was week 17. And I think mm. Baltimore Ravens want to go out of the bank. Mm. Yeah, I could see that sneaky Big Ben backdoor cover as his final. Yeah. His, just take it Ollie out as his final <laughs> swan song. The backdoor cover. I don't believe it. What a way to go. What a way to earn an 18 year career. <laughs> yeah okay one All prop right. side for it because I couldn't actually oh, get God. the number because it hasn't been um, released yet but the last time Deontay Johnson was out mm. where Big Ben ended up throwing the ball was Najee Harris out the backfield oh. at 19 targets 14 receptions and 102 receiving yards all season highs for him so mm. when that number comes out if it is relatively low, I honestly, I think would hammer that because I think that is where Big Ben's going to go. Because what he can do is mm. he gets the ball out quicker than any other quarterback this year because he doesn't get great pass protection. So I expect Najee Harris to be key in the passing game, uh, which will probably won't be a great passing game, but I think he will be key for Big Ben if they are going to get anything going this week against the Ravens. Love that. Like that Intel propo. Like that. All right. Next up, New Orleans in Atlanta. The Saints can clinch 
if they win and the 49ers lose to the Rams. So it is madness that the Saints could be a playoff team. Uh, it's almost as mad that Atlanta were incredible, mathematically speaking, contention for most of the season. Uh, but of course, it all went uh, completely off the rails last week. This was interesting, actually. Uh, Falcons, one of seven on third down, one of four in the red zone. The red zone's been obviously a huge problem with no Ridley. Um, and despite appearances to the contrary, were scrapping for much of the season, but now have uh, Nada to play for. So following through your logic earlier on, the States have everything to play for theoretically because this game is kicking off 925 UK time the same time as the Rams the 49ers are playing so they'll be keeping a close eye on that and they'll be playing at full tilt uh, and looking for the win the Falcons well they want to play spoiler against their old foe but it feels very much like uh, this one is getting played out so what's the line New Orleans is going to be road favourites but how big? The Saints opened as four and a half road favourites and that number has been bet down to three and a half. There's a lot mm. of money coming in on Atlanta. As I can see now, it looks like the cash is now in that funny thing where suddenly the last, one number drops or it drops by one point and suddenly everyone then goes, the cash goes on the same side of things because that's where the value is. But the interesting one to look at, mm. money line bets now, 50%, uh, 55% of the tickets are on the Saints. Yeah. 90% of the cash is, is on, on the Falcons. No way. No way. Yes. So the sharps are crewed up. The, the whales are crewed up for the Falcons. That means surely the propo plumped and representative of the global sharp organization is, is in on Atlanta, right? You like in Atlanta? I mean, you kind of have to be to a certain extent because I think that the one thing we've seen from the Saints is a lot of fight and a lot of character, especially going up against the good teams, especially when you've seen them go up against the Bucs, it's been incredible what they've been able to do. But they have not demonstrated nearly enough to me on offense to suggest that they should ever be a favorite on the road by more than, say, four or five points. I mean, Taysom mm. Hill has not been very good. Yes, he had his best game last week against the Carolina Panthers. But it, take. Yeah. <laughs> it was a late hot take on there. Yeah, Taysom exactly. Hill has not been very good. Yeah, I mean, he has not been very good. He has a 69.8 QB rating with three touchdowns and five interceptions this season. Just for comparison, Jared Goff has a rating of 90 this season. That's nothing on Jared Goff. That's not slating Jared Goff, but I don't think you want to be a QB who is 20 points worse than Jared Goff. That is God. quite a dramatic drop-off. Um, as bad as Ben Isaacs is with Mike Glennon, to be honest with you, Goff. Hey, <laughs> hey, you know, speaking of Taysom Hill, this made me laugh. On the Saints injury report, they're officially this on the Saints website, right? Different players listed, including, uh, for the record, this I think it was Wednesday, but Teron Armstead, he's obviously had injury issues. He's on there, mm-hmm. so keep an eye on him, Mark Ingram. Uh, but Taysom Hill, listed on the injury report, what injury is given? So to give you, of course, the typical context, Propo, Teron Armstead's knee, yeah. Uh, we'll give you uh, Ty Montgomery uh, back. What's Taysom Hill? Um, what is taste? I don't even know. I haven't even seen this. What is it? Nose? Ring finger. <laughs> ring finger? It's ring finger. What does that mean? 
Well, this being very, very specific on his, it's not very specific. Ring finger. Is that telling the Falcons to target his ring finger? Is that what they're trying to say? Maybe. Well, that's the Saints releasing it as well. So yeah, exactly. Maybe that's the strongest finger. That's maybe that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to lull the Falcons going into it and going after one of his hands. Yeah. But no, I think I, I mean I just don't have any faith in this. I mean, we've seen Alvin Kamara look visibly. Um, upset with Taysom Hill and what he is able to do and the fact that he isn't be able to utilise Alvin Kamara properly. I mean, it took him an age to get going in that game against the Carolina Panthers last week and their defence was unstoppable against Panthers. I mean, they got to Sam Darnold like eight or nine times or something. Cameron Jordan seemed to be there consistently the whole time and that's what they're going to have to do this week if they're going to have any chance of dominating the Falcons in the way they did the Panthers last week, especially in the second half. The Falcons have a terrible O-line. They allow more pass pressure than pretty much all of the teams in the NFL so that is a recipe for the Saints but what the Saints are really good at is stopping the run. That doesn't really matter against the Atlanta Falcons. They are one of the worst rushing teams in the NFL. They rank 30th in yards per play on the ground. So that doesn't really impact this game's this game the Saints and Falcons both average at defending the pass but I mean I have more faith in Matt Ryan throwing the ball no matter who he's throwing to I think they yeah, both have yeah, yeah. bang average receiving cores but if you're going to say we're going to put the ball in our quarterback's hands I will give it to Matt Ryan every single day of the week and especially again that this is in Atlanta against a divisional rival an old school rival they've got the chance to ruin any chance of the Saints getting into the playoffs with a win here they are going to fight and they are going to going to go into this game and give everything they've got. Matt Ryan is certainly not going to take his foot off the gas going into next year. Arthur Smith, I think there's still questions about his first season in the NFL. So he's going to want to win this game. So I think this game could easily be a field goal game. I do think the Saints will probably win it. I don't think I would taking, I don't think 90% of the money line on Falcons is meaning that I'm going to hammer the Atlanta Falcons money line. But I think as long as this net, this game stays above the key number of three, if it's three and a half, even if it gets out to four and a half on Sunday, which it could do, when all the public money comes in and they say, well, Saints need to win and Falcons don't, so we'll bet the Saints. That's when I'll be looking to the Falcons. Give me the points. I mean, the Falcons have already beaten them this season. Yes, that was Trevor, Trevor Simeon playing in that game, but I don't necessarily see that much of a difference. Uh, it's, probably an, it's probably an upgrade. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I, like, I like the rationale proper. I'm with Atlanta. You know what? I picked them for the straight-up win in my scorecard column this week. Did you? That. I did. Nice. I did. Very I sharp like. now. Very sharp. You've taught me well. You've taught me well, uh, Jedi Master. So I like them for many of the reasons that you said i particularly like the fact that matt ryan and Cordell patterson both of whom have had particularly patterson superb seasons this year they're gonna go out big they're gonna go out big i feel it they've pretty much between them single-handedly now what's the carl pitt status though not looking good mm. it's not looking good sadly i don't know if he is going to play i don't think he practiced yesterday i'm not 100 percent sure i'm not going to risk him are they i mean he's exactly they're not going to do that yeah i'm not sure they will risk him and what a season he has had only the one touchdown which came in london so thanks for that culpits but only the one touchdown but an incredible season going over a thousand receiving yards and really picking up some of the yards that Calvin Ridley certainly would have got if he was playing. I mean, it's such a shame. I would love to see, I mean, the fact the Atlanta Falcons have got to this position and Matt Ryan's been able to do what he's done without Calvin Ridley. I would have loved to have seen what Calvin Ridley would have been able to do with this team and see what kind of magic they could have made with Carl Pitts there and Russell Gage coming out of his shell this year as well, like looking very good. So like, I think that's what I am sad about ultimately for this Falcon side. Got a question for you all. More likely to be a week one starter for their team next season, Matt Ryan or Taysom Hill? Matt Ryan. 
But is Ryan's definitely going to stay? Well, I mean, there's a more chance of that than James Winston not starting instead of Taysom Hill next season, surely. Is Taysom Hill done as a starter at the Saints after this? Yeah, I think so. He's going to be, he's just a gadget player. That's what he is, surely. I mean, what we've seen this run by him has been not impressive in any way. I mean, his passing has been abject, to say the least. I mean, they should have beaten that cow. On Thursday Night Football, I remember I always talk about that game because it was so frustrating because I had the Saints against the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the Saints were the way better team on every single aspect, apart from their quarterback play, because Taysom Hill couldn't stop in throwing interceptions. You he- have to pick a quarterback to get you in the playoffs in Propos' inaugural season as GM of the uh, Plumpson Pirates. Yeah. The you have the choice of these three quarterbacks. Who do you go with? Jordan Love. Oh my god. Taysom Hill or Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Didn't even blink on that. Probably. No, no, definitely Trey Lance. Do you know who I was chatting to our friend Will Gavin yeah. what, on WhatsApp the other day? A big 49ers fan, of course, a friend of the show, Will Gavin, and he was pretty complimentary about, about Trey because a lot mm-hmm. of people have piled in. And I think that was discerning from Will because one of the things that he was emphasizing, which I think was spot on, which you've got to look at with a young quarterback is decision-making. You know, we talk about the moxie. We talk about, oh, they're fearless of the obvious uh, attributes in terms of arm strength and accuracy and the ability to throw receivers in as opposed to throwing at receivers and all of that stuff. But decision-making is a really, really key thing. And, and, and it, without, with a few exceptions, I should say, he looked pretty much on point there. Yeah, I think Trey Lance, just call your jets on the Trey Lance hate a little bit. I don't think he was as... Is that Trey Lance hate? Yeah, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. Really? Yeah. I don't think, I thought, especially last week, I mean, they outgained the Houston Texans. I know it's Houston Texans, but they outgained them by like 200 yards despite only winning by sort of 14 points or so. And I've I thought that pass lot, deep yeah. to Debo Samuel was really impressive as well. And I think he gives you exactly what Taysom Hill does on the ground, but is a better passer of the ball. Yeah, agreed. I, I know I've seen it. I, well, a fair bit enough for me to 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 was surprised that Will was. I think I think it. I know I always default to Simmons and Cousin Sal for reference points, but they were definitely <laughs> very complimentary about him. But uh, yeah, I think I think there's you know more than more than that. I think there's been a bit of bit of buyer's remorse suggested uh, about trade answer. I think is far too premature. All right. So Atlanta's where the sharp money's at here. What about your Drew Lock of the week then, Proper? Which way you go? I mean, this is, this is, this is rogue. Yeah, bold. This is a little bit rogue. This is, I mean, there's, I think in this week, totally you have to gamble within a gamble if that makes sense because you, got it. you don't really know who's going to be playing come Sunday you don't really know what the coaches are thinking I mean I, I wish I had those kinds of contacts that you clearly do now but I don't know who's going to be out and who's going to be playing but what I'm going for now yep weather game oh weather meant, weather game is yeah. where I'm going it's meant to be insanely windy in Cleveland on Sunday I think like 30 mile an hour wins okay. against, and we've seen it before. Do you remember that game against the Raiders where it was like 12, 10 or something like that? Do you remember <laughs> yeah, they literally couldn't yeah. throw the ball because it would just, the I ball think, would just get moved. I actually think I had the over in that game. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah. That is world class. But yeah, exactly. I mean, we've seen windy games in Cleveland before and they've kind of been historic games in terms of low totals. Mm. So I'm going to go with that and I'm going to go on under 38 and a half in Bengals versus Browns. That number has jumped down from 40 ever since basically the Bengals announced they're not going to play a lot of starters, mm. including Joe Burrow. We're not going to see Baker Mayfield on Sunday. I'm not sure if that's good for the bet or bad for the bet, to be completely honest with you. But neither team 
is going to be able to throw the ball in these kind of conditions. Apparently, Stefanski refuses to play Nick Chubb anymore. Apparently, that's that's just not a thing. Apparently, he doesn't want to play Nick Chubb. I don't know whether they're tanking. I don't know whether they, he's got a slight, he's slightly banged up and they don't want to injure him going into next season. Mm. But if they're not playing Nick Chubb, I'm more than happy to bank on this Browns not being able to score many points. It's a low, low number, but we are looking at backup QBs, mm. backup wide receivers. And the only thing that we might see is a couple of defensive players starting because of incentives. I think Jadavian Clown is quite close to a couple of incentives. I think Miles Garrett's quite close to a couple of incentives. Mm. And on the other side of it, the Bengals defense might play some starters only because they got embarrassed by Baker Mayfield in the reverse fixture earlier this season. So I think there might be some revenge to be taken on that side of the ball. So all of those things considered, I think we could easily see this game going very very low wow that's a huge call i love the fact that you've gone back to your back to your roots back to your core gone to an unders bet to try and close it off because it with eerie similarity you followed your heart i mean you put a logical case forward proper but you followed your heart by going for an unders bet right that's oh i know exactly where you're going talk to me what you've done there all right do you really? Because well, we, again, it, it's like we staged this, but we haven't, we haven't shared, we never share our, our Drew Locks the week until we come on air. So with that in mind, where do you think I'm going? Well, the emphasis on heart, does that mean? You're oh, going oh, oh, okay. Yes. I see where you're going with that. Definitely not. It would make me less. <laughs> what? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I think the Patriots are going to win by double digits. <laughs> the, the, this time around, uh, the, it does make a huge amount of sense for reasons we mentioned earlier on the pod, right? That the, it is typically a, a trap game, a bogey team. No, game, no, 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 the Patriots. Not, not this time. Not this time. But a team that is close to my heart, if not as close as, as the Dolphins, a team that I have been rooting for all season that I stuck by when many threw in the towel that I think has been on such an emotional roller coaster and there is so much at stake and it's a home field advantage and, 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 and propos as you have taught me well, when it comes to this kind of thing, play the number as well. The Raiders, the Raiders are getting three points at home in a game that despite everything, including incidentally our friend and the shot mind that is Ollie Connolly picking the charges. <laughs> the Raiders are getting three points at home against the charges in the playing game. And I am pushing all my chips in the table on Derek Carr, who has been lights out good this year and Hunter Renfro coming to the table and my man, Josh Jacobs taking care of business. I get all of the arguments. Why? Yes quarterback battles head coaching da, 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 da. i get it i get it i get it but i think the emotion of this season and the case for it i think they will surprise a lot of people and it's the number i'm playing i think it's going to be tight take the raiders for the win i have to say that i think if that comes off if if the raiders win that game mm-hmm. outright mm-hmm. i will denounce my status as be sharp on this show and hand it over to you. The Raiders. So I, just to be clear, Propo, and I appreciate that sentiment. I'm taking the Raiders plus three. No, I understand that. But three, okay, if they lose by three, then mm. I won't. If it's a push, then I uh-huh. won't. We actually haven't had a push yet. Oh, we've not had a push, have we? No, we haven't had one push, but pushes, we yeah, would. Yeah, it will be, you will be 11-6-1 and one if they do lose. Oh, we're going like to. Yeah, like yeah, no. yeah, so that will be fine. But if they come out, if they lose by two points, one point, or they win that game, if you win that bet, 
Mm. I'll denounce my status as the sharp and I'll hand it over to you because I think wow. that honestly, you're the only person apart from one person that I listened to. I can't remember who it was. One person I listened to who's taking the Raiders because of the exact reasons you're taking that home field advantage and the fact that everyone believes this Chargers team is probably going to get it, get it done because they're Everyone's- the team that you see on red zone. They're the team that you see in the highlight reels. Mm-hmm. all the big plays they've got Keenan Allen they've got Mike Williams who are much more appealing or marketable characters Dan said Hunter Renfro and you've got Justin Herbert who's everyone is proclaiming as the future of the league and one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen in terms of talent and yet the Raiders are they've been given three points and they're in the exact same position with the exact same record as the Chargers and they've got home field advantage. If you look at the stats that I'm looking at right in front of me, tickets, 62% on the Chargers, cash, yeah. 75% on the Chargers, 64% of the money line cash on the Chargers, 69% of the money line tickets are on the Chargers. Mm. That game, I promise you, is only really all of the public money is going to go on the Chargers in the over in the in those in that game because of what everyone wants to see. Everyone wants to see a Justin Herbert show. This is the first real chance we get to see Justin Herbert in prime time with everything on the line. This is essentially a playoff game. And mm-hmm. I don't think that. I'm brave enough to take the Raiders in this spot because of all of those narratives going into it. Mm. But I absolutely love that pick from you because I think that is as sharp as they come. And if they, if you, obviously, if they get blown out, then I will laugh at you. But well, at the same, and it'll be very entertaining. But at the same time, like I think, yeah, it's great. I just love it. I love it. That's a wild ride now. You gonna stay up for it? I, I love that. I'm 100. I love the fact that you love that pick as well. That gives me confidence. Two other words for you, our friend. I don't love it as a pick. I just, I kind of love it as like you love the moxie. Yeah, two, I love. Yeah, love the. Two moxie. words for you. You know, you know, he's back. You know, he's gonna be back, and he might Darren be banged Waller. up. But he's exactly right. He might be banged up, but this man is tough. Darren Waller, baby. Darren Waller's back. Why do you think that everyone is so? Including Ollie Connolly, who we saw yesterday. I kind of wanted to jump in and ask him a question yesterday because. I mean, I'm still, I still have nightmares about watching that whole Chargers-Texans game in full, knowing that I had the Chargers at minus eight and a half and how abject they were, especially on defense. Yeah, and I I know that is a concern as well, the kind of bounce back from that. Uh, Why, why you say, why are people still big on the Chargers? So why is everyone so, you've got two teams with the exact same record in the Raiders and the Chargers. Yeah. Why is all of the hype surrounding the Chargers and no love really being given to the Raiders? Is it just because of the throws we see Justin Herbert make? I think it depends on who you're asking. So I think, yes, definitely the reasons that you've outlined, which ostensibly boils down to uh, a fashionable team versus a non-fashionable team or market, right? And this is something that has been in the NFL since I was a kid, as far back as I can remember, right? And we see it all the time bringing this back to to gambling, right? You make the point all the time that certain teams, the Cowboys, the Chiefs are just crazily bet because of very surface level, cosmetic, shiny, firework type rationale. I think Herbert instills more confidence in in a game like this, when a game on the line is the equivalent of, this is the macro equivalent of, it's a two minute drill, who do you want to hand the ball to? You know, and, and Herbert's one of those quarterbacks in the same way that... Uh, Baker and let's uh, say maybe even Tannehill, despite everything he's achieved in the last couple of years, and certainly Carr, you're like, oh, I mean, I know they can turn it on on the day, but there's just something I don't trust about them when there's something on the line. And Herbert, he, despite his relative youth and inexperience, 
has this has has this credibility factor already that he's a clutch time player and he won't he won't be phased. Right? I actually think when I compare him to Burrow, Burrow's shown me more, way more, Sorry, this, way more, way yeah. more across the board in this season, and certainly in that kind of situation, we're talking about mm-hmm. game on the line clutch. I'm not convinced Herbert definitely still is error prone in that respect. And, and I think people are too under on car. I really do. It's a difficult spot because the Raiders have been uh, underwhelming for a number of years. And he is by no means a top tier quarterback in the NFL. I just feel he's a lot better than he's given credit for. And I think there's plenty of pieces on this. Uh, Renfro is another one, right? So to yet, you nailed it too, to your more casual fan, you're looking at it and looking at the skill set matchup and maybe disregarding Renfro. I know Renfro has really gone off recently, but he, I still think he's probably going under the radar in, really? in compared to compared to other players. Look, it's a gamble for sure. But I I think that status of I guarantee you this all, having been around the NFL for 15 years and a lot of players talking to players from different generations, I guarantee you that every single day, every single practice in all the WhatsApp groups they're in, all the Raiders are talking about is nobody thinks we're going to do it. Nobody, no one thinks we're going to do it. We're going to show them. And that place will be jumping. Raider Nation, the black hole will be jumping. I like him in this spot. I really do. Yeah. The only issue I have with what you just said is the thing you said right at the end is I think that this could be quite an even split in terms of fans for Chargers and Raiders just because I don't think Raider Nation has necessarily transferred over to Vegas quite yet in that sense. And Chargers seem to have... they have never probably the best team to play in that spot though, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Chargers <laughs> don't seem to have Pretty any much. fans whatsoever. And that's my issue with this game because wouldn't it be amazing from just an English cultural perspective, mm. just with what I've grown up with watching football and I had quite an obsession with firms from English football teams. How brilliant would it be if there was just like two really enigmatic firms from Vegas and LA both getting ready for this kind of game? If you had that kind of level of cultural impact on this game, that would add something to this that would be absolutely sensational. Like seeing like a West Ham Millwall. Imagine imagine LA versus Vegas (laughs) had the same feel around it as West Ham versus Millwall does. Like that would be absolutely brilliant and something that I don't know if I should encourage to happen, but I would love to see it nonetheless because it would just add something completely different to what is already going to be an incredibly exciting match. Love that. I want to hear more about your obsession with firms. <laughs> I want to hear more about this. Well, Green Street was my favourite film growing up, which I now watch back and it is one of the worst acted films I've ever seen in my entire life. Like Elijah Wood is terrible in it. And like there is... <laughs> Charlie Hunnam's in it as well, isn't he? Charlie yeah, Hunnam's yeah. And it is in his act. Yeah, it, yeah, is, it was my favourite film growing up. But watching it back, I mean, there is some seriously, seriously questionable acting going on in it. But it, it was, I just loved all the... I love the psychology because my, my background is psychology as well, which people don't probably don't really know. But my, that's my background background and I love the psychology of it because it's, tri- mm. it's tribalism. Yeah. It's modern day tribalism is essentially what it is. And that fascinated me because it was like, you'd have very normal people throughout the week, good people, like normal people, family men at home yeah. throughout yeah. the week. And then on a Saturday, they'd suddenly turn into effectively a criminal or an organized fighter. Yeah, you and- know, that's a really interesting culture of, um, which you, by the sound of it, would have seen them all, right? But that whole genre of football hooligan movies, right? So mm-hmm. ID, uh, which is based on a book, which I have somewhere over in the other corner of the room. So I can't remember the writer said, but it's an undercover police officer. It's based on a true story, mm. right? ID. That, it's a great book. If you haven't read it, I'll, I will dig it out. There's your Christmas yeah. present story. Um, 
And have you seen ID two? <laughs> I haven't seen it either. I haven't seen either of them. Uh, have you seen ID? No, oh. I haven't even seen ID. Oh, oh, that's a seminal film. We're talking about this genre. ID. Really? I've never yeah. even heard of ID. And I, I honestly watched every documentary and most of the films that are related to this subject. Wow. You've never seen oh, ID is one of the great. He goes undercover. In, it, it, they he obviously use different names, but it's basically Millwall. I think in real life it was Millwall. Yeah. Uh, he goes undercover and infiltrates. Uh, a firm, a mill of, oh, you got to watch Ideal. I'll yeah. send you a link to it right after we record. Love that. All right. Uh, time for your prop bets that we got. Yeah, prop bets, again, slightly, these are slightly difficult, purely based on the fact that um, we don't know who's going to be playing, when they're going to be taken out, as Nat has already said in this podcast. But one I do like is Stefan Diggs, over 71 and a half passing yards. He turned nine targets into five catches for 52 yards against the Falcons last week. Atlanta, Atlanta's secondary has actually been sneaky good in recent weeks and certainly much better than the New York Jets. They're ranked 29th in the league and going up against the Bills team that needs to win for the division in the AFC East. Josh Allen won't take any risks after a mixed game last week, so I expect him to go to his number one target throughout this game. So I think Diggs goes over this number. Going along a very similar line, I'm going Saturday night, I think Tyreek Hill is going over 64 and a half receiving yards against the Denver Broncos. You just said Pat Sertain's out. That is a huge loss for this Broncos secondary. This is a classic buy-low spot. Hill only has 59 yards and eight catches in his last two games, but this has been a trend all season for Hill. Couple of quiet games and then a big one. He only had six catches the two weeks before. He had 12 in one game against the Chargers. He has three games this season with 140 plus yards. And for a receiver with that level of explosive power against a team that has pretty much nothing to play for. It's such a low number, 64 and a half. Give me that every single time. Mm-hmm. And the last one is a, an undoubtedly legendary regular season that I don't think anyone can take away. He won't win MVP, but there certainly is an argument that he should. I think Jonathan Taylor has over 22 and a half carries in terms of defending against the run. The Jags are 25th in the NFL. They suck. And I think what we saw last week in the Colts going against the Raiders, what won't Frank Reich do? going into a game that's basically a playing game for them. I don't think he's going to put the ball in Carson Wentz's hands very much. And I think instead he'll put it in Taylor's as much as he possibly can up until the point that they get so far ahead that he can take them out. Even if somehow the Colts fall behind the Jags, which I don't see happening, Taylor has been so dominant this season. I still expect Colts to just keep running the ball as much as they can. So I'm taking Taylor over 22 and a half carries. I think that number's too low as well. Ooh, love it. Love it. Let's see if proper can go. No Antonio Brown to... to... Boil the party this week. That would be a wild prop bet to make this week. What for him to score a touchdown for whatever team he signs for? <laughs> does he? I asked. We asked Ollie this question, didn't we? Does Antonio Proud? I think he does play in the NFL again. I really do. I think there'll be a team. I think that's again. And we uh, we won't get into this. We've spoken about it in every pod, but I think again that is a. I think no matter which way you look at this, I think if you look at this as he it needs some help from a mental health standpoint. Yeah. Or whether you look at it as he is simply an overly indulged talent who has never seen any consequence in his life and thus feels like he can do what he wants. Mm. Either way, I think the NFL have completely mishandled his whole career and his whole character mm. to the extent that it, this, what has happened last week, should, it should have never got to that point for mm. whatever reason. I just think this whole thing, I mean, every day I wake up to a Schefter tweet about something that Antonio Brown's posted <laughs> on Instagram. Schefter's like, obsessed. Yeah. Shefty, let it go. Um, We're going into the playoffs. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? Overindulge, never had to face any consequences. Sounds like overindulged like, talent that's never had to face any consequence. Well, like yourself. I was gonna say that sounds like Ben. <laughs> <laughs> you got that degree. All right. The Acker of the Week. And remember, you can veto it all if you want to. Uh okay. Chiefs over Broncos. Mm-hmm. 
Come on, easy, easy peasy. No Justin Fields for the Bears. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying Dalton, so I'm taking Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I love that one as well. And it's got to be the Titans to win over the Texans, if even if they don't cover, right? That's even money, that, that Acker. Is it? So I've actually got one, which includes one of the same as yours, which is slightly higher. I think it goes to two to one. All right. So this is this is me just going into... So that what I said earlier in this podcast about um, teams having nothing to play for, the only team that I think goes against mm. that this week is the New England Patriots. Just because, Ignore it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to ignore but Ignore it for the Patriots against Dolphins because I just don't see any way the Dolphins put up any points against the Pats. Yeah. That's my issue. So I think for, in that sense, I like the Pats to win. And the other one that I would go with... So I think I'd go Minnesota, Pats... Mm-hmm the Giants man like they are what are what have the Giants turned into this season now it has been one of the most bizarre capitulations I've yeah. ever seen it's crazy yeah. like if you think about it you're taking the Raiders as your Drew Locke going into week 18 what was it four or five weeks ago they managed to beat the Raiders yeah, yeah and yeah. since they lost I mean as I said I think I said this to you and Ben on radio a couple of weeks ago I mean Mike Glennon is essentially bought Daniel Jones another year with how bad this team has been without Daniel Jones at the helm. Like it has literally fallen apart without Daniel Jones. And why? Why? I don't think I could put my finger on it. Yeah. If you had said to me at the start of the season, which team is going to have the biggest collapse by lo- after they lose their starting quarterback? I'd have the Giants at about 30th. Yeah, literally. You know, oh, so yeah, Daniel Jones to Mike Glennon. Uh, you know, I mean, my God. Yeah. My and who God. are these players calling Joe Judge saying they can't, they miss playing for him? Who are these players? I love the fact he said that. Oh, I feel for Joe Judge because I like Joe Judge, but I think... I know you do. You've been a fan of Joe Judge, but he seemingly has just gone a little bit off the boil, a little bit yeah. off the rails. I think, I'm not sure you can, I think Joe Judge is, you know, put him at back at special teams coordinator at mm-hmm. contending team X. He'll be, he'll be fine. I think it's a little bit, a little bit too much for him. Uh, so the okay. safe racker is yours, which is Tennessee, yeah. Kansas City and Minnesota. Yeah. My slightly more ambitious one is Washington against yeah. the Giants, Pats against the Dolphins yeah. and Minnesota against the Bears, which you know what that means, Nat. Minnesota's going to blow it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bears are a bears in the lock. Bears are going to lock. Lock in the bears, gang. Lock in the 100%. This is brilliant from Andy Dalton. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Brilliant stuff, all. So we are done almost with the regular season, but fear not, listeners, because we are back through the playoffs, of course, with the regular show. And that means Edge Rush is going to be rolling through the playoffs. To the Super Bowl, we're going to stack up Super Bowl pods as well as we build up to LA and have you set all through January and February. So do not miss a trick. Subscribe to us if you haven't already. If you're listening to us for the first time, incidentally, because you might have, I don't know, seen the link in my Times column this week. i got to plug that Times column writing about your Bengals propo in the Times this week. So go and read that or on Squawker. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, hope you've enjoyed I uh, hope you stuck around this long <laughs> if you're joining no. us for the first time. If you're joining us for the first time and you are unsure about the show, go and vote for us anyway in the yes. Sports Podcast Awards. Don't really care if you come back and subscribe or anything like that. Just go and vote. Everyone loves an underdog. Hey, we're the Raiders of that, <laughs> that category. Love it. Seriously, though, congratulations on that, Propo. Saluting you. You're a massive part of that. And we will be chess beating and pushing that, as I said, 
said at the top of the show till we are blue in the face until you're sick of the sound of the sports podcast awards but hey why not because we're happy and proud about it so we'll push that out give us a bit of support on that one gang we will be back with iron mike i think we're recording tuesday right so drop in tuesday morning uh iron mike and the week 18 review show and that means of course wildcard weekend playoffs coming your way so enjoy and we will see you on the other side cheers all cheers my man just before we go gang the college football championship is on monday night the football keeps coming thick and fast so who better to give you a special edge rush edge on the championship game than our very own college days maestro mr ben isaacs take it away bud rat poison yes you heard me correctly rat poison rat poison is the potential key to the college football championship game now Nick Saban, the coach of Alabama, has described some media coverage of Alabama as rat poison. When he hears people being critical of Alabama or underestimating Alabama, he loves it. Now, he calls this rat poison and he will thank the media for the rat poison. He described the rat poison ahead of the SEC championship game as yummy. He loves this negative coverage of Alabama. The perfect thing for Alabama is the fact that they are the underdogs in this game. If I, if I were the Georgia Bulldogs and their head coach, Kirby Smart, a former understudy of Nick Saban, I would have been absolutely gutted to see the line on this game and to see that they were the favourites. Because that, to me, gives Alabama such a psychological advantage that they can, they can be like, oh... You're looking past us. You don't think we're good enough to beat Georgia, despite the fact we absolutely annihilated them a month ago. I think that motivation, the play of Bryce Young, and the fact that Georgia have struggled against him so much means I give Alabama a very, very slight edge. I think this is going to be a very close game. I know that a lot of people are not happy that it's two SEC teams in the final, that it's a rematch of a game that we saw just a month ago. But let's be clear, these are clearly the two best teams in college football. They have one defeat each, and one of those defeats was by the other team. This is going to be a close one. I give Alabama the edge. Super, super close. Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. He has always done spectacularly well against his former assistants, of which Kirby Smart is one and I just don't see Georgia getting it done I think Alabama are too mentally strong I think they are too well coached and there's just too much rat poison Sports Social Podcast Network